Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Alm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, we interview amazing, badass real estate investing goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate investing space. And today's guest is certainly no exception. I'm super excited to have with us Edna Keith. She's the co-founder of the 3D Real Estate, Profit in the Prairie Real Estate Investing Group, and Multiple Ways to Wealth, a training, education, and membership organization for real estate investors. She's built her real estate portfolio to over 520 doors with a value of $60 million. And today she teaches others how to invest in real estate so they receive passive income, allowing them to live the life they want and retire when they want. She is a woman of my soul, because that a soul sister, because that's what I'm all about. She was a single mom at 16. And she's gone from single mom to successful real estate investor. And she has a story you are going to love. I'm so excited to have her. Welcome, Edna. Thank you so much, Monique. It's my pleasure to be on here with you. So you don't have a very typical beginning for most real estate investors. Tell us, how did you get started in real estate investing? You know, I was a financial advisor for many years, I think about 15 years, and I did very well. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I'm very social. So I love being able to get around and visit with people and stuff. But I really didn't know anything about real estate. We owned our own home, but clients that would come in and talk to me once in a while, and they would tell me they were buying real estate. And I just didn't get it because in our area, inflation went up about 3% a year on average for like the last 50 years. And I remember you saying to a client, really, you invest in an asset class that gives you about a 3% return a year? Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. They couldn't explain it. And we just kind of left it at that. Then I had a few more investors pointing it out to me and the markets were kind of not very good at the time. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe I should look at it myself. So we actually took some training, signed up with the Rich Dad, Poor Dad group and took some training. And that's when I really got to understand the power of real estate with the mortgage pay down by the tenant, someone else paying off your asset for you, forced appreciation when you're dealing with multifamily. You can still work with investors and investor capital, which is what I was used to. And just the whole nuances of, of real estate. That's when I got to understand it. You know, once I understood it, Monique, I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. I just couldn't. It was like <laughs> I managed my book for about two more years after I was introduced to real estate. And then I sold it and it was like, I was done. I've never looked back, never put a penny back in the markets. You know, I have never looked back. We built our own portfolio, primarily multifamily, primarily with investor capital. And our new thing coming up this year is we've set up our own real estate investment trust. And that's going to be our next big move. Okay, so I love that. So I want to walk back a bit. What, as you said that you have after you got into real estate, you couldn't sell any more mutual funds and you never put any more money back into the market, which I understand because you know I have money, some money in the market that's just been there and I'm, I'm letting it ride, but I've had the same feelings about it. So can you tell us more about why you like real estate so much better than stock market. I think the biggest thing for us, because at this level, you really start to notice your mortgage pay down. 
And we're between 25 and 30,000 a month in mortgage pay down alone. That's basically somebody else paying off our debt. So as our buildings increase in value, as they provide us cash flow, as they provide us depreciation opportunities, tenants are paying off the buildings for us. And there's like five sources of income from one asset class. And with mutual funds, it was all over the map, all over the map. You know, when I started selling mutual funds in, I think, like 92, just to give you an idea, at that time, my favorite fund was called Trimark. It was a Canadian fund and it had paid clients 12% a year on average since 1981. So over 10 years. And I remember thinking, I love those numbers. Like I could sell those numbers all day long. Well, as I got involved, they were dropping and dropping and dropping till eventually our training people were telling us, you know, we should talk 6% return. That would be what we should talk. And mortgage pay down alone in our apartment buildings is generally 7%. So to me, that's like our bottom line. If we did nothing but have the tenants pay off the buildings, we would do better than 95% of the investments out there. But on top of that, we have cash flow. And we also have the opportunity to force appreciation in our buildings, which means quite often we can get huge paydays in the meantime through tax-free loans and stuff like that. And that, all of that stuff's the power. And then also the many different ways you can get into real estate. You can rent to own, you can do agreements for sale. There's so many ways to buy real estate without any of your own money. And you know, with mutual funds, if somebody would have came in and tried to invest with me with no money, I would laugh them out the door. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you need $100,000 of stocks, you have to put in $100,000, but yeah, you can get a $100,000 property with little to no money. Yeah, that, yeah. that was my minimum investment was 100000 So if somebody would have came to me and said, well, I want to put 100000 in, but I have no money, but could I borrow 100000 Well, you know, you could not even loan them money based on the markets, whereas any bank will loan you anywhere from 75 to 85 to even 90%. Now with our REIT, apparently we're going to be able to get financing up to 90% on our apartment buildings inside the REIT. So 90% of it is not even your own money to begin with, or 80, say traditionally 80, 75, 80 is not even your own money to begin with. To me, that kind of is where the no-brainer part came in, you know? And when I did that... (laughs) Yeah, I just couldn't go back. And even today, people will try to talk me into buying different things, diamonds or any kind of stocks and stuff. And, you know, I was never that interested to watch stocks on a day-to-day basis. So that was just never something for me. I like long-term buy and hold stuff. And I like that part about real estate too. So tell us, what was your first investment? What was the first thing that you got? The very first property we bought, this is kind of a cool story. We were scared of everything because with my background, not knowing anything about real estate, we owned our own home, but that was it. And so we'd taken the classes and we started looking. And so we decided, you know, our first purchase would maybe be a condo because it was easy. We didn't have to worry about furnaces and roofs and all that expensive stuff, right? And so we went around with our realtor and he showed us a condo. It used to be an apartment building that had been condo converted into individual condos. And we could buy a single family condo, two bedroom for a hundred was it 120,000, something like that. So he drove us over there. We took a look and I'm standing in front of this one. My daughter had just moved in there. She was the renter. And I said, is that for sale? And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. 
And I said, well, okay, I'm going to buy it. Because then I already know I have a good tenant, right? Like I was was brought up, you know, if you got rent to pay, that's the first thing that gets paid. And she was that way too. So my very first renter was my own daughter after she'd already (laughs) been living in there. And then within a couple of weeks, because we had to set up our corporation, all that kind of stuff. So we hadn't made the official offer on the property. But my daughter was telling me about the tenants right next door. They had lived there for 17 years. So of course, we're scared of tenants too. We didn't know how to get them, what to do with them when we had them. We didn't know any of that. So I thought, well, that's a perfect tenant. Somebody has been there for 17 years and their place was really nice. They fixed it up nice. They did their own painting and different stuff like that in there. So I said to my realtor, I said, you know, I think we'll buy both of them. We had some equity in our home. So we ended up buying the one right next door too. And, you know, we still own those condos to this day. That's great. So you were saying that you're mostly a multifamily right now. So what tells a little bit more about your current investments and where are you investing? So the transition to get into multifamily, our first two purchases were those condos. And then our third purchase was an up-down duplex. So a house with a basement suite. And we noticed right away that the cash flow was significantly higher. So then after that, we started buying all these duplexes. And then as anybody, we couldn't get financing anymore. Even though we both had really good jobs, made good money, had a good net worth, it just didn't matter after about, and I think we did more than most people. I think we got to like 15 houses before we were cut off. So it was just natural to start looking at multifamily because they don't look at you as the person that has to pay the rent and the mortgage. They look at the apartment building as a business and if is it already paying for itself. So that's how you get financing on that. And your net worth helps, of course. But that's why we ended up moving over into the multifamily market. And you know, now, Monique, at this point, we've kind of got to the point where we've got more than enough. I never, ever had a goal of owning 500 doors. Our goal was 50. And we thought that that would take us like 20 years. We didn't think we could get 50 doors. We actually got our first 50 doors in 18 months. But we didn't know that when we started. So we thought 50, that's huge. So to have 500, way beyond what we dreamed about. But we're getting to the point where there's certain things, you know, you start to learn, there's certain things you don't like to do, certain things you do like to do. And we partner mostly with people who manage our deals, but we still have a bunch of deals, especially our first ones that we manage ourselves or, and we hire property management, but I mean, you still got to manage the bank accounts, manage the rents and get on manage the assets, yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. We're getting to the point where we don't want to do that anymore. It's kind of like, it's been a good ride. It's been awesome. We definitely still love real estate. So now we've decided that we're going to move into a real estate investment trust. I'm going to be a director and VP of acquisitions, but I won't be in charge of managing the day-to-day or tenants or anything like that. I'll primarily be uh, finding deals and raising capital for the fund. That'll be my biggest role. And where we're looking at purchasing our first deal already, because it's, it's on the radar, we're just signing all the documents at the lawyers this week, is in Memphis, Tennessee. That's where we're looking at buying right now. Before that, the majority of our properties were in uh, Western Canada. So Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. But it's so expensive here when you compare it to what we can buy there. We can buy right now between twenty five and 30000 a door. And in our city, 80 to 120 a door and sort of lower, but still way over the 1% rule. So that's kind of what we're looking at now. And, you know, we're looking at buying assets in the range of 250 to 500 units at a time. So we'll expand hugely, but our, our role will just be different. 
Mm, I love it. That's so exciting. And all right, switching gears a little bit, I want to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests because I think we get so much more wisdom from what doesn't go well <laughs> rather than, you know, when times are smooth sailing. So what would you say is your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? You know, our biggest mistake also helped us tremendously in the long run. So I always say never be scared of making mistakes. It just does it it helps you in so many ways. But our very first partnership dealing with other investors, not people we were raising money from, but people we were partnering with, they were the managing partner, um, didn't write up any agreement. Everything was verbal. And when everything was going, got great guns, we're buying left and right, everything was awesome. But then when it came down to the day-to-day management, and I considered them the property managers because they had a company, but just a few things that weren't going well, and there was a little bit of blame back and forth. Next thing you know, our best friends were, we weren't even talking to them anymore. And it was all because things were not put in writing to make clear right up front. So we're real sticklers now on agreements done up front because it clarifies everything and there's no guessing and there's no changing it in the middle. You know, like someone goes, well, that wasn't my understanding. Well, here, let's go look at our agreement. Oh yeah, very clearly says da-da. Oh yeah. You know, so that was one of our biggest errors at the beginning that has really protected us a lot in the future. Mm, that is such a good point. So one of the things that I, I teach my goddesses too is that importance of having contracts up front. And a lot of times, especially when you're working with friends, you say these were your best friends, you're working with friends or family, your people think, Oh, I don't need a contract. Like that that makes it sound like I don't trust them. It's like, no, 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 no. It's nothing to do with trust. It has to do with getting clarity. It's the contracts in the beginning will save a relationship. It's not gonna ruin it. It'll just get every, when you're happy, when everything's going smoothly, then you put in an agreement in place. So when the times are rough, you can lean back on your agreement and the relationship stays intact. It's actually the best thing. And the more you like this person, the more important it is to have an agreement with them. That's really clear. Totally. Yeah. That's great advice. And that's great that you're teaching people that because I think it's a common error because we'd even been warned about it. But then the lawyer we were dealing with, they would come together and meet with us and they'd have this 300 page document. And it was like, hey, neither of us were going to take the time to read that. We even would make physical appointments with ourselves and we'd say, well, let's just read three pages today. (laughs) And we never did get through reading it. So the other thing we learned is keep it simple and don't let the lawyers be in charge of that. We actually doesn't need to be 300 pages at all. (laughs) Shouldn't be. We ended up finding an agreement through a real estate investment network that worked perfectly. And our first one that we used for years and years and years was about seven pages long. And it's got more complicated as, you know, you add things and you grow and there's different things that come up that honestly you don't think about, but you just need to, again, the clearer you can make it up front, the less opportunity there is for, you know, animosity or change of mind after, you know? Yeah. So good. So good. So the flip side. What are you most proud of? You know, I think coming from a single mom earning $1,200 a month, I remember earning that much money when my daughter was in subsidized daycare. We lived in subsidized housing to becoming a multimillionaire real estate investor that helps other people do the same thing. Because I was never a student. That school wasn't a big thing for me. I wasn't 
considered that smart. I realize now that I am, but at the time it was like, if you weren't a good student and could uh, follow all the rules that the teachers gave you and memorize and all that kind of stuff, you weren't considered that smart. And now I realize what a failing that is for people. So I really work hard on, on helping my students understand that everybody is, is a genius. And my daughter had a quote that she hung on my board one time, but it was, everybody's a genius. But if you're a fish and somebody's trying to teach, me, teach you how to climb a tree, that's where the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. And that I just think is brilliant. You know, we're all different and we all have different strengths. And if we can learn to appreciate those strengths about ourselves first and foremost, and tell people, you know what? I'm no good at that, but I'm really good at this. That's, again, where I think everybody can really excel in their life period and enjoy it a heck of a lot more than if you keep trying to get better at things you don't, that you're no good at to start with. Yeah. My my 2020 focus is living in my zone of genius, right? Because everyone has their zone of genius. And I'm working with people who are in their zones of genius. That's what I'm about. Yeah. so to what do you attribute your success? Because you started at, as a, you said you were a teenage mom living in subsidized housing. To what do you attribute your success? You know, I think having an open mind and really, really just always thinking that I deserve better than this. I remember as a young person making not very much money and being told, Edna, you have to learn to live within your means. And whatever that takes, you have to study it. You got to learn how to budget. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I thought, I would much rather just learn how to be rich. And so <laughs> I got that in my mind and I went, I don't want to be that person pinching pennies. I don't want to be that person doing low level jobs the rest of my life. I want to start shooting for something better. And I didn't even know what, but you know what, even to this day, I think the reason that we've kept on that path is because I'm always open. Well, just recently I was introduced to a business opportunity called an automated Amazon store. And we decided to invest in it. To me, it made sense. And I was telling somebody about it just today, as a matter of fact. And they said to me, you know, Edna, I think of everything as a scam unless somebody uh, proves me different. And I went, I will never live like that. I will never live like that. I was like almost offended. It was like, that is so limiting. (laughs) I can't even talk about it anymore. You can't go through life saying everything's a scam until it's proved otherwise. I'm the opposite. I trust everybody until they prove otherwise. I believe in everything's going to work 100% until something doesn't. And even when it doesn't, a lot of times you learn more from your mistakes than you do from everything that goes right for you. So in the long run, it's too. It's all good for you. (laughs) It is all good for you. And it's all about growth in your life anyway. So if you make your most growth through your mistakes and the times that you've got that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, well then bring it on, you know, because that's how you're going to get better. And I think enjoy your life more too, because if you're like this your whole life, well, how much fun is that? But if you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the journey's like, going up and down. I'm alive. Every day I'm alive and I can really feel it today. <laughs> you know? So that's the, thing. that's the way that I would like to keep focusing. And I think it's what's helped me get to where I am today too. Spoken as a true optimist. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> I even reached out to some of my investors recently who who'd had been in a building that wasn't doing very well. And I gave them my optimistic attitude. And I said, you know, I'll always be an optimist. I refuse to be anything but. And I said, and I read somewhere that, you know, 
Optimists aren't always right, but they're always happier. <laughs> no, okay, that's me. <laughs> I don't that's have to do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that I I read this book um, called by my Martin Seligman. But it's about optimism. And he basically was saying that pessimists are actually more quote unquote realistic. They do have a sense of what the risks are more realistically. Optimists always think it'll work out better for them than, you know, is quote unquote realistic. Yeah. But they have better results as a, because they just go for it. They take more action. They are happier. So it serves you to be a little unrealistic and go after those things. I, I hate the word realistic. I, that's why I don't yeah. like smart goals, at least the R part, the realistic part. <laughs> it was like, yeah. who needs realistic? No, go for, go beyond your means like you do. Go for, go um, for the moon or shoot for the yeah. stars. At the very least, you'll hit the moon, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love that. So what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? You know what? The number one thing is to get around people doing what you want to do. Be clear about what you want to do. And sometimes it takes you a while to figure that out. You might have to, you know, go to this class and that class and listen to this webinar and that. But once you've decided and you pretty much know, be around people who are doing it because those are the ones that are going to be the optimists and say, you can do it. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. I tell my students that all the time. If I can do it, you can do it. Plus, they also have been through the trials and tribulations that you're maybe going through. You know, I still remember uh, not too long ago through one of my mastermind sessions, one of the newer students was saying, you know, I can't believe I did this. I did that. It was something to do with a tenant. And the other one who'd been a real or a, a realtor and an owner for 30 years, she said, you know what? Don't beat yourself up over that. She said, I know better. And that just happened to me six months ago. You know, so she said... It just, it sometimes it just happens. You trust, you think everything's going to work out and then, then you, you get it, you know, but you can't beat yourself up over stuff like that. So just knowing people who've been around for a lot of times and can say, you know, I had that happen to me and I lived through it and I turned out better or everything's better now, I think really helps a lot. And it takes some of that fear of the unknown away to say that, you know what, in the long run, it all, all works out for you. Mm, that's so true. So I, my wealth or real estate event, I bring in all of these women that are doing incredible things in real estate and that have been doing it for a very long time and are, are hugely successful. And that's one of the biggest feedback that I get from the people who come to the event. They're like, wow, like I saw, I see all of these women doing amazing things. And then we also talk about the hard parts and I see how you know, like one woman lost $20 million and now she's soaring. And that helped, that makes such a huge difference. So it is, that's really great advice to be around others who are doing it so you can be inspired and supported by them. So love that. One last question before we get into our famed end of show Trinity, which is a brag, gratitude, and desire. What do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? Maybe not to invest so heavily in one area. We invested in a very hot area at one time. And now it's not so hot. So that would be something that I'd recommend to people is just not be so heavily in any one area because that can hurt you in the long run. Don't keep all your investing eggs in one basket yeah. market. <laughs> all right. Exactly. That's great. And before we get into the Trinity, what is the best way for people to connect with you? You know, I do free coaching Fridays. I do Mindset Mondays. So Facebook's probably the best way. I'm just under Coach Edna Keep. 
then if they if they like what they hear and and something interests them, uh, they can always book a strategy call with me, which is just at uh, schedulewonce.com. Edna Keep again. Everything's Edna Keep. Edna at ednakeep.com is my email address. But that's the best way. Uh, my website's ednakeep.com. So if they have an interest, check it out. And there's many ways for them to just reach out, connect with me from there. Beautiful. Okay. So time for your Trinity. What's one brag you have? What are you celebrating? I think the biggest thing we're celebrating right now is that I got the final pitch deck to my real estate investment trust yesterday and my name's on there. It's so cool. There's like two managing partners, four managing partners on there. And uh, so that's cool to see. Kind of it's almost like seeing your name in lights, you know? So we're quite excited about that and the opportunity to pair investors, you know, 12 to 15% a year. That's what we're most excited about right now. So well bragged. And <laughs> what's one thing you're grateful for? The opportunities that get presented to us nowadays are just amazing. Like it's now we're to the point where we have to really choose between, you know, what we spend our time on because there's so many great opportunities out there. Mm, Beautiful. And last but not least was one desire. Well, one desire besides our REAP, because I think that's going to be wonderful, is getting my uh, automated Amazon store off the ground because that's brand new and I don't know much. I kind of went in blind trust because that's why I'm eternally optimistic. I've seen lots of people that have done well with it. And that would be a totally passive income stream to us. And that would be new. And, and we'd love to be able to do that primarily because um, we, we have a couple of daughters that are going to be done school here shortly. One uh, graduates this June and the other one in two years. And I kind of in the back of my mind think how cool that would be if I could say to them, honey, I'm going to buy you a store that would make you <laughs> $15,000 a month. And, and how cool is that? So we're, we're hoping that that's the way it goes and, and we'll be able to, that would be called considered digital real estate. That's how I got sold on it. It's digital real estate. <laughs> awesome. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Thank you so much. I love welcome. what you're doing for your audience, Monique. You know, sharing what you've learned, uh, putting on events like you do, that's powerful, powerful ways for women and anybody to learn. So get out to Monique's event. I, I would love to do that myself. I love learning from other people in the industry and just swapping more stories and opportunities. And sometimes we even get a chance to joint venture together. So that's always exciting as well. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much. And this was such a great interview. And full disclosure, y'all, this is actually our second time trying this. <laughs> so we did this a few months ago. Had technical <laughs> difficulties. So I'm so grateful that Edna came back and we got to talk again. So this was really fun. Thank you so much. You guys can find her at ednakeep.com or Coach Edna Keep on Facebook. Definitely check her out. She's amazing. And to connect with me, go to reigoddesses.com. There you'll find out about our event happening in April. You'll find out about our investor clubs so you can get on the list to find out about passive investing opportunities, join our community uh, on Facebook where we have people from, I think, all 50 states and now 19 different countries. So it's growing, incredible community of women killing it in real estate. So join us at reigoddesses.com and come back next week for another amazing real estate investor interview. Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. 
Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.